This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back. I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. We got a great show ahead today. Match day six is right around the corner in the Champions League. I got my partners in crime with me, James Bench. There he is, right there. Nice cheesy smile. I like to hear it. Jonathan Johnson, Nigel Rio Coker. Nice to see you in the morning. Look at those smiles. James Bench, I've seen you since Brooklyn, man. How you been? How was your weekend? Yeah, I got ill. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, finish me. I blame Nigel. Honestly, if you yeah, have someone... Bl- blame Nigel for what? Chatting rubbish so near you. It's obviously toxic. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good, good one. Oh, I like that. Nigel, how you doing, man? Before you got ill and bored because of watching Arsenal. Bore off. Right. Anyway, you, it's great to see you, doing, you guys Nigel? again. How was your weekend? It was good. Very good. Very simple. But I enjoyed it. Watched some games. Watched some great football. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into it. How about that Real Madrid game, eh? Mm. Yeah, cracking game. Interesting one as well. JJ, good to see you. Thanks for joining us yesterday while the other two boys took a day off. How are you, man? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks. Looking forward to everything that the week has to offer. And I think if James was feeling ill, I mean, it's not surprising when you try to go shot for shot with Nigel Rio Coker at the, ho- <laughs> the hotel bar while we're in Brooklyn. You guys are spreading some very bad rumors right about now. Let's let's let's. But, turn are, they, but are they untrue? That's the are they untrue? Show. That's the after. Are they unfounded? <laughs> I can definitely see an after dark show coming at some point because they're. There's a lot of comments that we are starting to see, not only on this platform, but also on our social media platforms that people just, they crave the the, the after dark show. It's going to come at some point, Nigel Rio Cocos, no doubt about it. Be careful what you say on the after dark show. It is R rated for everybody out there. Let's get into it. Match day six is uh, starting tomorrow. Some cracking games to look forward to. But before we get into it, uh, I want to just show you the teams who are already qualified in the Champions League. There are uh, so many teams already, match day five through um, that are there. James Bench, you've got an interesting statistic as well as we were talking about some of the failures that are not on this list. Are we doing that, that one now? I'm very pleased with right this. Right now. Well, it's been floating around. Um, it, it, I can't say it's my own statistic, but for all this talk of excellence and who might reach uh, the knockout rounds, there are two teams competing for a, a much bigger slice of history than just reaching the last 16, which 16 teams do every year. Um, 
the record for the worst groups. 20 teams have had a, uh, a, a group stage campaign in the current format of the Champions League where they have picked up no points. The team that have done so with the worst goal difference and therefore you could argue the worst team I in know. the group stages. Go on, Nigel. Do you know who the worst Rangers. team is? Incorrect. It's not Rangers yet. Dinamo oh. Zagreb are currently the worst team in group stage history with a record with a minus 19 goal difference as so it stands the time that they got absolutely ruined by leon about nine nil or something it was indeed the time they got ruined they, i mean they, they had a horrible group with leon with uh, real madrid um and to be fair i think it's fair to say the two teams that might do it this year have also had horrible groups so uh, victoria pulsen stand on minus 17 goal difference before they face a barcelona team that i think might be coming into this in a bit of a bad mood mm-hmm. um so if they lose by three goals, they take the record. Rangers, if they just lose, they will have the record for the worst Champions League uh, group stage, which, which so will be quite bad then. for Scotland, I would say. I, I was close. Who are Rangers playing, by the way, James, as everyone knows? Uh, Ajax. Uh, oh, yeah. Ajax they, just... But equally, if Rangers win 5-0, they're in the Europa League. 5-0. <laughs> if they do, they I'm not saying they will. To score a goal. Well, let, let's, you know, let's not even get into that. Let's just be realistic about it. But I was right, basically. So when Rangers lose to Ajax this week, they're going to be the worst ever team. They At least until Pilsen beat them the following yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, and Pilsen beat them the following day. All right, there's a lot to discuss, so we're going to start right now. And we're going to begin with Group D. Obviously, Tuesday's fixtures right around the corner goes A through D, but we're going to begin with Group D because it's wide open. Uh, Tottenham sitting at the top of the table with eight points. Sporting on seven points. Frankfurt on seven points. Marseille on six points. Uh, Sporting at home to Eintracht Frankfurt. Marseille at home to Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I guess, James, I'll start with you. I mean, this is a must-win game for Spurs. They surely must be favourites going into this game. Game, but how on earth do you approach this game? JJ, I want you to follow very quickly behind James as to why you think Marseille can get the job done against Spurs. Go ahead, James. I mean, it's a fiddly one, isn't it? In a way, it's the sort of assignment that suits Spurs where, yeah, I mean, a, 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 they will want to win and get top spot, but obviously a draw would take them through, uh, I believe. Um, but, you know, Marseille have to go for the throat here. They have to push that line up high. They have to apply pressure on the ball even more so than they do normally. And we know when teams play like that, that Harry Kane and Hyung Min Son can tear them to pieces on the counter-attack. Between that and, you know, the sort of set plays that we saw Tottenham make a lot of hay from against uh, Bournemouth at the weekend, you know, those are your reasons to feel optimistic. Equally, you know, this is a team that very nearly lost to Bournemouth. It's a team that's lost to Newcastle and and is really struggling uh, for form of late. I think that Spurs have got enough in the tank to get the job done. I can't see them making it easy on themselves too. And and I'll I'll throw the floor over to JJ, but uh, I think Marseille, whatever we say about them, I'm sure they're going to go about things in a uh, fearless and energetic manner. Yeah, yeah, and they'll be roared on uh, by a full stad velodrome, of course. But also, the margin for error now for this Marseille side is so much lower than it was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they really, you know, took the pressure off with those back-to-back wins over Sporting Lisbon, and then suddenly their domestic form has gone to pot. And you are actually looking at a potential crisis if Marseille don't win here. And even if they draw, they can't rely on that to keep their European hopes alive. So the stakes are really, really high for Igor Tudor and his players. There's reports coming out that the the players are once again questioning Tudor's methods, which happened on the eve of the uh, the season getting underway. So, you know, it really feels like there is a lot riding on this and either it's going to be sink or swim, you feel, for, for Marseille and those fans 
you know, making it a really hostile atmosphere in the velodrome could be the difference because, you know, Marseille needs something to level up the playing field against this Spurs side because if you look at them on paper, they can't really compete. Yes, they have some quality players in certain positions, but generally across the board, you know, this Spurs team is much stronger uh, than Marseille's. And also, I think Marseille will be, you know, hoping for the fact that there is some sort of influence in the fact that Antonio Conte won't be on the sideline uh, for Spurs either. Not a great setup, I would say. You're also missing Kulazevsky and you're also missing uh, Richarlison, if I'm not mistaken. They're, they're touch and go, obviously, for this game. But Nigel, I, I mean, Kulazevsky trained today. That's what yep. I uh, was told. He's, he's not trained today, so he's probably going to be out. Definitely out. I mean, Nigel, uh, you'd have to say it's been a bit of a disappointing campaign for Spurs, but if they get through, therefore you would have to say it's a success. So it doesn't really matter how you perform. As long as you get through this group stage into the knockout stages, it gives Tottenham an opportunity to use the World Cup break, to obviously use an opportunity to rejuvenate yourself, get ready to go for the knockout runs. So all they need to do, Tottenham, to make this a successful campaign is just get through, no matter how. Yeah, I think Tottenham fans will be very happy. To be fair, if I'm honest, we haven't exactly seen exciting, amazing football from Tottenham from the start of this season. They haven't really played fantastic football. But there hasn't been a tremendous amount of uh, moaning or groaning by Tottenham fans. They're fine with it. The reality of it is, Ian, if you keep winning, everything is fine. And that's reality. They're winning. They're getting the job done. Been some close calls. Yes, they lost to Newcastle, like James said. They made a very difficult game of it this weekend against Bournemouth, but they came back and won the game. So I think for Tottenham fans, they will take it where they're at right now in the league. And also if they make it through to the next round, I think James hit the nail on the head. Marseille have to go for it and so did Jonathan. And if they do, it plays in Tottenham's hands perfectly well because that's what Tottenham like. Teams coming onto them. And when you've got Harry Kane and Son Mihin to break on them and, you know, they've got some great other players as well. Session probably could could play a part of it as well. And Session's had done very well under Antonio Conte and I think for me when you look at the manager itself and Antonio Conte these are the moments that suit him best backs against the wall it's literally like a cup final I can't think of many managers being able to be in a dress room yes he won't be there on the touchline but I'm sure he'll be nearby and able to give a team talk where it could really fire this team up knowing what's at stake and I think if anything probably Jonathan could add more to it than me but from a from watching Tottenham and, and, a, and a Spurs point of view with the manager and everything, I feel that this game suits him to a T. This is the moment where he can really show the motivational side of Conte. And these are the moments that Conte likes. You look at Conte as a, as a manager and as a person, he likes that underdog mentality. He likes that backs against the wall. But is he going to be able to transmit that not being on the touchline? I mean, it, it is. You're right. It's the kind of it's the kind of atmosphere he's absolutely going to thrive in. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, is he going to feel a bit powerless? I don't think so. Because, you know, when you look at Conte, Jonathan, he's the type of manager that the, the coaching staff around him are very similar to him. That's mm-hmm. it. He's not going to have a, a coaching staff member that doesn't have that that desire, that hurt, that fighting characteristic, that everything. He won't keep someone around him like that's not like him around him. So I think he he's going to have that coaching staff fired up and they're just going to be a great representation for him. And nowadays when managers really do get so-called banned and suspended, there's always a phone or an earpiece where the manager's saying everything that needs to be said. But I or think a laundry that... basket to get them in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start putting out conspiracy theories out there now. Let's be careful. But yeah, I really do. I think that this game will suit Tottenham. And I think from the result they got this weekend, I I feel that they can get the job done. 
Hey, JJ, just real quickly on Marseille and their home form. The last two home games, if I'm not mistaken, they lost against Lons and Ajaxio. I believe they're two home games. Like, what's the deal with the, the home form for Marseille? I mean, that place, obviously, they've had their issues with uh, discipline issues with the fans in particular. Um, but realistically, that should normally be a fortress for them when it comes to domestic and also European competition. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, to be honest, you kind of expect some of the more disappointing results to come when the fans haven't been in place. So, you know, them turning things around after the Cancina early goal against Sporting, I would have actually you know, reasoned I would expect them to lose that more than more of the games where they're playing in front of their own fans, you know, baying for blood. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's hugely disappointing because Marseille made such a good start to the season and it just seems like the wheels have started to come off ever since that narrow defeat to PSG at Parc des Princes in, in Le Classique. Uh, you know, and now you've had this sort of groundswell of support for Tudor, this sort of realization that, oh, you know, maybe he knows what he's doing. Maybe these new ideas are actually going to lead us to a different level. And now people are sort of starting to, to second guess, to question, you know, whether what Tudor has been doing this season is actually working, given that the results have now started to take a bit of a hit. And that's why I'm saying when you look at the domestic situation, if Marseille drop out of Europe, which is realistic if this game goes as we expect it to, uh, you know, that will be an absolute disaster for the club. Wait, JJ, did you just say as we expect it to? So that means you're going against Marseille. <laughs> I like you said that, James, right? I mean, I want I, I want Marseille, I want Marseille to do it for French football. Do I think that you guys are talking logic? Unfortunately, yes, especially in the case of Nigel. Oh, don't ever say that. When you're talking about <laughs> Nigel Rio Coker, don't ever say those words ever again, JJ. That's not okay. All right, before we get into it, got a couple of comments coming in. Rafa says Tottenham and Sporting going through the knockouts. Awesome. Oscar says Sporting and Marseille are going through the knockouts. What says you, James Bench? Who goes through? Uh, Tottenham and Sporting. Tottenham and Sporting. Mm. Nigel. Tottenham and Sporting. Speaking with common sense, Oscar needs to have a coffee or something. JJ. I really want Marseille to go through, and that is very foreign to me as a concept. But... uh, I'm going to go Spurs and Frankfurt. Frankfurt to get the win against Sporting Lisbon away from home. JJ, before we move on from this group, explain you yourself try real so quickly. Yeah, I, I, just, I just feel that something crazy <laughs> is going to happen in one of these two games. And I can't, unfortunately, I can't see it happening in Marseille. So I'm going to go for Frankfurt managing to get out of no, the group. No, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. It, JJ <laughs> is, is a bit of what's going on in society right now. People trying to reinvent the wheel when it's just there in your face. The answer's <laughs> there. The proof is there. Everything is there in your face. But you're just going to try and reinvent the wheel and say that Frankfurt are going to get a win at Sporting. It could happen. I'm not going to say it couldn't happen, but realistically, come on. Yeah, but then every time that you've told us something couldn't happen, it then does happen. Like, oh, Celtic can't score a goal. Oh, but they did. And they nearly okay, won Okay, but I'm game. still top of the table anyway. <laughs> I'm still top of the table. Well, Joint second. fourth you are, Nigel. Joint fourth in the prediction. I love you right saying now. fourth, but it says second on my name. Right, don't worry Just about it. Just letting you know, joint fourth. Uh, great stuff. Fighting, fighting for the top four at last, Nigel. <laughs> oh, that's fired. Okay. 
I think that Tottenham go through and I think Sporting Lisbon go through as much as I'd really like to see Eintracht Frankfurt get the job done. Just think it's too much of a task away from home. I watched them at the weekend against Borussia Dortmund Frankfurt. They were good. They probably should have got more from that game. They didn't. And that's what Dortmund I think this won, game right? would be like. Mm. Dortmund won. Jude, Jude was fantastic in that game, Nigel. Absolutely fantastic. Let's move on to Group A. Pretty much done and dusted in this one. Napoli sitting top of the group with 15 points. Liverpool on 12 points. Both teams already qualified. Shocking campaign from Ajax Amsterdam. They sit on three points. Even worse campaign, as James Bench pointed out at the top of the show, for Glasgow Rangers. Um, let's discuss Liverpool against Napoli. Can Liverpool be the first team to beat this Napoli side? Nigel, I'm going to ask you that one because you're no. a big fan of Napoli. No they cannot be. At Anfield, you don't think no. they can beat Napoli? There's problems at Liverpool. Just like how you used to say about Bayern Munich, oh, they're not going to qualify and get it through. I never took it as far as you. But there is problems at Liverpool for sure. And, I th- and again, people want to try and figure out what's wrong. This There's so much going on right now. I think for me, the players, I'll still say again, the players look tired. I think that they're missing Mane is one of the big things as well. Mm-hmm. And there just seems to be just a lack of energy and enthusiasm. I think they've done it at such a high level for those years that we've seen and witnessed great and amazing football, team football that we haven't seen for so long. It was so fascinating. And now it's just kind of died down. It's fizzled out. Whether it means you change the manager or whether it means you change the big core of that team for something fresh and a new fresh environment. But there's something definitely wrong. And again, I look at Darwin Nunes for me. I don't feel he's going to live up to what people maybe think is going to be that top striker for Liverpool. I know there's a, there's, a, there's an element of time to bed someone in and get him into it. But some of the chances and opportunities he's missing in the Premier League for me, that's not good enough when you spend that kind of money for a striker. If you really want to be critical, you really need to be taking some of these chances. He, he doesn't look fully sharp and integrated as he should be and being at Liverpool. And again, on the other hand, you look at his team, he's come from Benfica. They haven't missed a beat. They've, mm-hmm. They're fine. They're doing well. They're performing great in the Champions League again. So I just feel that there's things wrong at Liverpool and it doesn't help as well now when even Trent Alexander-Arnold is coming out and say, you know what, something's not quite right here. When you say drastic changes, though, before, James, you jump in now, what do you mean by drastic changes? You talking about, like, fire and clop, or what are you talking about? I didn't say fire, clop. You're trying to put words in my mouth. No, I'm just saying, but, drast- you said drastic changes. Okay, so like- yes, it has to be something drastic a bit, because now they're even getting bullied by, by Leeds United. I mean, if, if anyone caught the game there, it was yep. a great game of football, and Leeds didn't show no fear. And I think a lot of teams in the Premier League can use that blueprint to go against confidence is low. You could see the confidence low in the Liverpool players by body language. And I don't know if you two have paid attention to this as well. In the great times of, of Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, when they were just unbelievable to watch, how many times did you guys see players pointing at each other when things were going wrong or when they were on the cosh? Never. Now, every time something goes wrong and attacking against Liverpool, you're seeing Van Dijk point over there, Gomez point there. They're all pointing at each other. And we never used to see that when things were going right at Liverpool. So as you can see, the pressure is getting onto the players now. The nervousness is getting onto the players because players only do that when they're nervous and not kind of knowing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's not good. So for me, it's either you say, you know what, Jurgen Klopp's tenor at Liverpool's come to an end. It's time we move on. Or you're going to have to change that whole team again and say, you know what, rebuild completely. Because sometimes I've said it, it becomes like white noisy and you know it as well. But I've also said on this pod before, the modern game has moved on. If people think you're going to get another Alex Ferguson or Arsene Wenger sitting at a club for 20 years or so, it's not happening. 
So now you have to look at managers the same way you look at players. That's my opinion. On the, on the subject of finger pointing, I'm going to put this question to you guys and I'll start with James. Who do Liverpool really miss more? Do they miss Michael Edwards more? Or do they miss Sadio Mane more? Because for me, I think Liverpool made strategic errors in the summer. Like, yes, you know, we we all recognise that they needed to replace Mane in attack, but there were other areas of the squad which were overlooked, which was reflected by the panic late on in the transfer window of going for Arthur Mello. For me, I think that Liverpool are now, we can actually question, you know, whether they are sort of as well run strategically as they have been in the past, because at the end of the day, that's going to be key to, you know, the longevity of, of Klopp's spell at Anfield. And for me, I feel like it, it's, it's much deeper, much more profound than, you know, just Sadio Mane being taken out of this team. I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the, the head there. JJ, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, but I think we have to remember that this doesn't just, it didn't all start going wrong. You know, the, the seeds weren't sown this summer. I mean, you know, take that midfield, which looks so old, so slow, so heavy legged. Part of the reason for that is Thiago is the only player that they've added in that position since 2018. You know, they yeah. didn't clear out, you know, players like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, Naby Keita, to be frank, still on the books, but Jurgen Klopp doesn't trust them. You know, they've indulged in centre-back signings. They have four, you know, I mean, I, Joe Gomez has really struggled, but because he, he's partly, I think he struggled because he's never really played after the injury because they built so many options there. Um, like you say, you know, the recruitment issues go back a little bit further and we do always rightly praise the Jota signings, the the Diaz's as well. But it, I think it's gone from hit, 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 hit to a bit more hit and miss. Um you know, finally, just to wrap up on what Nigel was saying, I think when this, last time we were talking about Liverpool in crisis two years ago, it was really obvious what it was and why Jurgen Klopp couldn't fix it. He had no good defenders. It was a Champions League team with a championship pairing at centre-back. And I think the challenge right now is this is much more ex- existential. This is, you know, the players hearing the messages anymore. Are they all Is this team just tired together? And I, I can't sit here and tell you I know what the answers are because... I'm not sure many people associated with Liverpool know how to uh, how to pull out of this tailspin. Can I get a quick prediction from you guys on this game, Nigel? You're obviously going for a Napoli win, yeah? I'd definitely go for a Napoli win. You got to look. At, I think. Listen, players at Napoli know what's at stake. You're playing at Anfield. There's going to be so many scouts there. Quicha, uh, Qualescalia, Osman, who's been linked with Manchester United. What are you laughing for? That's a great pronunciation. Anyway, there's going to be Napoli players who are going to want to put themselves on that shop window for getting a move to the Premier League. I'm going for a Napoli 3-1 win. JJ? I'm going to stick on the four-goal theme, but I'm going to say 2-2. I think it's going to be one of those crazy European nights at Anfield and that will secure Napoli top spot. James? Yeah, I think Napoli are winning this 2-0. I'm going against all of you. I'm going for a Liverpool win today. I've I bet against Napoli four or five times and I've been slapped in the face, but I might as well. I'm at the bottom of the table. Uh, if you're all going for a Napoli win, I need to get a point back somewhere, so I'm going to have to go for a, a you, Liverpool you're win. You're going to go for a Rangers win as well, just for the hell of it. Yeah, go for a Rangers new. You know I'm going to go for that one there. Uh, real quickly, Oscar says, Thomas Tuchel to Liverpool. James Bench, uh, thoughts on that one? No chance? No. No. <laughs> Based on, based on what logic that Tuchel occasionally follows Klopp into like his former jobs? 
based that he's uh, actually German <laughs> following another German. Before we move on from this game, um, obviously the World Cup's right around a corner. I mean, which team in the Champions League could potentially benefit from that World Cup taking place in the middle of the season? I mean, I'm looking at Liverpool. Obviously, they need to do some work. They probably could do with a break. Doesn't look like a lot of players are going to get a break from that Liverpool team, but maybe away from each other, a chance for Klopp to also refresh himself and then come back on Boxing Day and really get after the Premier League and, and also the Champions League as well. Liverpool still very much in this. You can't rule them out from potentially getting into a top four and you can't rule them out from doing damage in the Champions League, especially oh, no. if they upgrade in the winter transfer I can, window. I can rule them out from being top four finish in the Premier League this year. No I'm, chance I'm for you. I'm going to put my neck on the line. I don't think they'll finish in the top four this year in the Premier League. I'll tell you that I, now. I don't think you're the only one that thinks like that. But James, who's going to benefit really? Is it going to be a team like Liverpool who benefits I'm, I'm from this? I'm glad I got to answer this first because I think the answer is quite obvious. I think it's Napoli. Um, Ossiemen, not going to the World Cup. Clarence Skellia, not going to the World Cup. They're Italian players, not going to the World Cup. I think a lot of the other sort of players that will be, um, I think Zambar Angisa will be going. I think Kim Min Jae will be going, but I don't think that they'll be going for long. Uh, someone's wow. trying. I mean, well, South Korea are probably not getting out of their group, are they? Cameroon, not, probably not getting out of their group. Last half empty, James. Jesus no, but Christ. This is great for Napoli. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, get them all back home nice and quick. Get them back before it's before December, before they can open up their advent calendars. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what you want. Uh, yeah, I think that... I mean, I suppose you could say the same thing for, for AC Milan or anyone with a big Italian contingent as well, couldn't you? Yeah. Um, but and, yeah. Is there, is there not an argument... Is there not an argument for City as well with Haaland? Well, but yep. then they have sort of the the, the sizable Portuguese. I mean, yeah, I, it depends what you think Portugal will do. Because I think they're, in spite of themselves, they're going to go quite early, far. Early exit. I'm with James. Everything James said, I don't even need to add to that because that's the team I was going to pick as well in Napoli. I think they'll do, benefit do you not? Do you not think that this bubble will burst at some point, Nigel? I mean, obviously, no. they, they've done so successfully well. They're they're probably the most entertaining, fun, enjoyable team to watch across all of Europe right now. Um, but they are a team that nobody was talking about. So there was zero pressure coming on them in the season. They are a terrific team. But don't you think that bubble is going to burst at some point domestically and no. also in Europe? They're dealing with a lot. Is the squad deep enough? I'm not sure it is. No, nope. I think for me, this is a perfect time. Again, we've said it before. We've never had a World Cup during winter. First World Cup in winter. I think this last week of games is coming. These players are going to get to stay, work at the club. Just exactly what like James stated. The main core players that they need are getting a rest through winter. And it's not your regular winter season domestically. So I, I just don't think so. I think they'll start up again. And the reality of it is, you can say something very similar about a club that's so close and dear to James's heart called the Arsenal, because it's going to be a similar situation at the Arsenal, where they get that break. And if they can stay in the top of the Premier League, then you can say the Arsenal probably could still really compete all the way to the end to win the Premier League title. Quick prediction on Rangers against Ajax, James Bench. Uh, Rangers against Ajax. Pfft. Yep. Uh, Ajax win that 2-0. Nigel? Ajax 3-0. <laughs> JJ? Yeah, hard to disagree. Um, something to know. <laughs> <laughs> we move ahead to Group B. It is uh, obviously one that is looking very good for Brugge and Porto right now. Both of the teams qualified. Brugge on 10 points. Porto on the 9 points. Atletico Madrid sitting on the 5 points. Leverkusen on 4 points. Porto against Atleti. Leverkusen against Brugge. A little bit of a battle to get into that Europa League. I guess the, the, the question would be more so than predictions real quickly. 
Who finishes third in that group, James? And who finishes top in that group? Yeah, uh, Atletico Madrid for third, just because Leverkusen have been pretty rubbish this season. Um, so you kind of fancy them. I think Porto, I, th- I think Leverkusen might get a point. I don't know. Oh, I'm top struggling one. a little bit here. Yeah. Basically, I think Porto might well end up top in the group, though. And I think there's a huge, huge value in doing that when you look at some kind of quite ordinary second place teams um, and avoiding the likes of City, PSG, Real Madrid, Bayern. I mean, there's going to be a real scrap. It's worth coming top of your group if you James, can do that. You don't think that Club Rouge or Brugge, as uh, Ian likes to say, have more of an emphasis talking to that young squad about the the importance of finishing top. It's already been a fantastic campaign for them so far. There's a big bonus when you finish top. So I think there'll be a greater desire by Club Rouge to want to finish top and and avoid another top seed in the next round. So I think so. But also at the same time, Leverkusen are kind of playing for their season, at least in the European sense, because if they can get the win or, well, yeah, I mean, it has to be a win, really, I think. Yeah, they can salvage something and give themselves a shot at the Europa League. And, you know, Brugge didn't look that great against Porto afterwards. That's why if I was to answer that question, I'd say I fancy Porto Porto for top. They weren't that bad. Those those penalties, they weren't that bad. Actually, only needs to be a a draw for Leverkusen. If if yeah. Leverkusen draw and Porto win, um, then Leverkusen will get will get Europa League. Because I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure, James, that it would be a good thing for Xavi Alonso and Leverkusen. If you look at their table position, yeah, I'm not so sure that realistically, with the position that they're in right now, they should be in European competition. I'd probably <laughs> prefer for them to be out of Europe altogether and uh, completely focused on what they can do. Is that, but is that what the fans would want? Just throw in the towel. I, I don't know. Well, Atletico Madrid are throwing in the towel anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, producer Des is moving us on here. Doesn't want to touch about Atletico Madrid. Clearly upset about them at the weekend. Clearly upset about their position in Group B. Let's move ahead to Group C before we get out of here. Bayern Munich, top of the table. There's something clearly wrong there. 15 points, which is a maximum for them. Inter Milan sitting on 10 points. Both teams qualified. Barcelona, four points. And Victoria Pilsen, as James Bench mentioned at the top of the show, having an absolute shocker on the zero points. Bayern against Inter. Pilsen against Barcelona. Bayern against Inter real quickly give me your prediction what gives in this game JJ uh, I mean is this going to be like Bayern versus Inter B teams uh, no. th- this this one could go either way I, I expect Bayern to still have too much for Inter home advantage and all of that uh, and plus you know to make more of a mockery of your crisis prediction <laughs> James yeah I, I think Bayern will, will, will quite fancy ending it on 18 points. I think they're going to have a little bit more motivation for this than, than Inter, who's, who know that the, the job's done, really. So I think they'll win this quite comfortably. Nigel? Bayern Munich win. Um, and then obviously Barcelona win. And you know what it's like. I've said it before. I think that there's an element that people have to understand. Yes, Bayern are comfortably through. And I think people might think, oh, they're going to arrest it and change it. No, there's that element of the so-called big clubs in Europe wanting to continue to embarrass each other. So I think Bayern still play a strong team wanting to prove a point and they'll want to bring beat one of the other big clubs in European football, which is uh, Inter Milan. Nigel, just before we head to break here, we've got a comment coming in from Rafa. He says, um, Nigel, could you please uh, tell me the name of that Georgian player once again? Qualaskelia. <laughs> <laughs> How about that, Rafa? That was pretty, that was pretty go. good, Nigel Rio Coco. Love it. All right, lads, let's take a quick break. But when we return, we'll take a look at Wednesday's delightful fixtures. Uh, some crackers to look forward to. You are watching House of Champions. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? 
Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Just a quick question for you. Are you looking for a month free Paramount Plus action? If you are, P Plus have a one month free trial. Offer code UEFA2022 or UEFA22. Scan the QR code on your screen or follow the link in the description. Make sure you get yourself a month free Paramount Plus action. It's not just the Champions League, a whole host of soccer, football, uh, foosball action, whatever it may be, Le Foot. You got a lot to look forward to on Paramount Plus. So grab your one month free by using UEFA 22 or scan the QR code or potentially click on the link in the description. You're watching House of Champions. It's Ian Joy previewing this week's Champions League actions with my boys, James Bench, Nigel Rio Coker, and Jonathan Johnson. As we turn our attention to Wednesday's games, let's take a look at Group E. The question will be who's going to finish second in this group? Chelsea, 10 points, qualified. AC Milan, 7 points. Salzburg, 6 points. Dinamo Zagreb out with 4 points. Uh, Dinamo Zagreb traveled to London to play Chelsea. AC Milan against Salzburg. That is second against third in this group. Nigel Rio Coker, who goes through into second. I will think... I'm going to put my money on AC Milan. I know Salzburg have been doing fantastically well, but I'm still going to put my money on AC Milan to get the job done. I know they lost this this, uh, weekend wasn't very convincing Milan performance again, kind of very similar to the, how they performed against Chelsea um, in the domestic league. But um, Chelsea also lost this weekend as well, which, well, actually, no, Chelsea got battered this weekend by Brighton. But you'd still expect them to get the job done. And I'm still going to go with uh, Chelsea to go through and AC Milan to go through. Yeah, I mean, that, that Milan one's interesting. It sort of feels like Leao is blowing hot and cold. When he's hot there, you absolutely hands down, they're going to win this. Um, but don't forget, if he's not on form, like uh, Salzburg have two young forwards in Adamu and uh, Okafor, who have been on form all the way through. I think just because M- Milan can afford the draw, I mean, partly, I- I'm sure you-, you guys will agree, it's a bit more difficult 
to manage a game when you know you can get away with a draw. That, that's yeah. certainly true. Equally, <laughs> they can get away with a draw. That's why I kind of favour them. But um, I don't trust this young team. And we've spoken about this before. Because they're young, a lot of these experiences are new for them. So I don't trust them to make it easy for themselves, even if I think they'll get the job done. Yeah, I think uh, the temptation is to go for a pair of home wins in this group, even if you know there is an argument to say that Salzburg could give Milan a, a tough time. And obviously not a great result for Milan coming into this one, losing against Torino over the weekend. But I think they've got just about enough in the tank, uh, you know, to, to be able to see this out, whether that's a draw, whether that's by a narrow win. Uh, you know, I think that, that Milan will go through and I don't really fancy uh, Dinamo, uh, you know, to repeat their feat earlier on in the group stage of beating Chelsea. Question for you guys, though. Do you not feel that sometimes when it gets to these kind of scenarios, that these bigger clubs, because of the history that they've got in the competition, the history they've got in the league domestically, do you not feel that it suits them more, that they know what's at stake. And then generally, unless they're doing a complete rebuild, the players that they have in these clubs are used to this kind of pressure. I mean, when you talk about it recently, the only club that I would say that's come in there with a bit of an FU attitude, even though they're not in the Champions League this year, is Atalanta, where people probably didn't reset, but they've gone and got results and been absolutely fascinating to watch. But do you not feel so? I, I feel like for this Milan team they're a little bit more likely to freeze, actually, I think. And we, we sort of saw that in last season's Champions League where they played quite well to not get far at all. Um, Salzburg, as well, as we know, they are a team that they probably have more of the institutional experience, even if they're losing players left, right and centre. They they are used to these games. Uh, obviously, they got through to the last 16 last year. And I think the year before, it came down to the final game, I want to say against Atletico Madrid, but it was certainly in Atleti's group. You know, th- this is probably a a club in Salzburg that are a little bit more used to dealing with the pressure of this final game. Um, but like you say, you know, I think with AC Milan, the expectation is there. I remember talking to Fikayo Tomori, who was like, you know, guys, we play for AC Milan. The expectation isn't to get out of the group. It's to win the thing. Yeah. Um, obviously no one thinks they'll do that, but you know, that there's that pressure on them. That's all those things add together do make me inch towards Salzburg, even while I still kind of think Milan will get the job done. Yeah, I mean, I think as well with Milan, they're kind of rebuilding that club culture because, you know, as Tamori said, you know, AC AC Milan for years and years, decades even, you know, they were giants of the European game. When we grew up, they were one of the biggest names in the game. And then, you know, they had that sort of lean spell of 10 years and now they're coming back into it into the, the the new style of uh, of European football and they're not no they're no longer among those uh, those favorites whereas Salzburg yes okay they're not fancied amongst the you know the really hot favorites but they've been sort of used to being in these difficult situations in the group stage so often they now know sort of you know when they can dig out a performance uh, you know when to capitalize on some of these clubs who are perhaps feeling the pressure a little more and I agree with James you know I do think that there is kind of that nagging argument that you know Milan might be haunted by you know what happened last year and the fact that they've not really managed to push on in terms of the results so far this year either that or it really will motivate them to just you know go out and really try and kill the game as early as possible but I think there's more to this Salzburg side uh you know than one that will just crumble and and you know drop to a three four goal defeat Ian uh with the help of our producer Des I don't know what's your thoughts on the potentially three or four Italian teams making it through and then what is it only one Spanish team made it through 
Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see the domestic leagues happening like that, and especially the Italian teams. I mean, I can't remember the last time you're seeing this type of success from Italian teams more than maybe one or two teams getting to the knockout stage and and having success. Napoli have been the biggest surprise for me out of all of the teams. You know, Inter and Milan both sort of just going about business. We haven't seen the best of either of those clubs in the Champions League. And the fact that they're pretty much through to the knockout stages. I think Milan will get there as well. It it bodes well for Italian football in general, but it also says watch out for Milan and Inter when it does get to the knockout stages because you would imagine them to really start to kick in. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the transfer windows with both of those clubs as well, whether they try to strengthen. But the surprise has been absolutely what happened to Napoli coming from nowhere where they've sold some obviously experienced players and, and tremendous players and produced this type of product, which is so fun to watch, so enjoyable, so dominant, so dangerous. I mean, like I've said it before so many times, most enjoyable team to watch in Europe right now is Napoli. And then there's also the desperate situation from a Juve, which is, as you were touching upon this point of this big institution that's so familiar to having success in the Champions League, having such a failure is an embarrassment for a club like Juve. So realistically, Italian football is in good shape with three clubs going through potentially to the knockouts. But when you see a club the size and the attitude uh, like Juventus getting knocked out at this stage in the fashion that they are getting knocked out, I don't think is good for Italian football. I don't think it's good for Juve. They've been laughed at a lot. And, and I'm actually surprised that there's not more noise from Juve fans. It's almost as if they're just accepting this situation. So well, I in, still in think both ways, it looks good and bad. You still rather be in the Italian boat than the Spanish boat right about now. When you talk about oh. the magnitude of Barcelona not making it through and only Real yeah. Madrid being the only representation for Spanish football, you know, because yeah. there's there's that element of competitiveness uh, nationally, so to speak, of what... What do you think about the La Liga right now, though, Nigel? That's the question. And it's I'm not competitive. Here. It's not well, that I'm... great. It's not that great, really and true. Let's be realistic. You wouldn't, you wouldn't turn on a mid... Uh, like a, a fourth versus fifth La Liga game. Yeah, you wouldn't. It, it's it's not I, I would because it's most likely Betis. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, there there are a few teams that you wouldn't mind watching. Real Madrid, obviously. I watched their game at the weekend. It was it was a disappointing game, disappointing result. But you know, Betis are fun to watch. There are two or three teams that probably lower do, down that I enjoy watching as well. But I, I do. Also I, wanna... do get, I do get the sentiment though. I mean, I I feel like it's almost like by default that somebody like Atleti are kind of wedged in there as third between like the other good teams, uh, you know, and the the really top teams, the Reals and Barca's, uh, you know, and I do think it is embarrassing what's happened with Barca this season because given the quality in their squad, yes, we yeah. know that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but they really should have been getting out of that group stage. Well, pretty much talking about Real Madrid anyway. Let's move on to Group F. Uh, top spot is still up for grabs. Uh, Real Madrid were were beaten by Leipzig last game on match day five. Uh, they are at home to Glasgow Celtic. Shakhtar at home to Leipzig. Um, obviously, the top spot still up for grabs here in this group. What do you see happening, James? I mean, do you see Celtic getting a, no. a majestic <laughs> win at the Bernabeu? No, of course not. Not even a draw like Girona? No. You know how angry Real Madrid are right now from this weekend's result as well. Yeah, exactly. They're coming in. They're coming in hot with a point to prove. And I, I mean, I, I know we sort of saying here top top spots up for grabs. Um, I'm not too worried about Madrid claiming it and claiming it quite quickly, um, even if it's their B team or whatever Carlo Ancelotti looks to, to put out. I mean, this has been a little bit of a mini wobble, hasn't it? But now is probably quite a good time to have that. You're still top of La Liga. You're still probably going to top your Champions League group. So yeah, get your wobble out of the way. I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Shakhtar can still also uh, can they still qualify? I'm right, though. And, and, and they and can. I think, 
And I yep. think that's that's the game to keep an eye on. Um, Leipzig have definitely taken a little bit of an upturn in, in form under Marco Rosa. Mm-hmm. But there's something about Shakhtar, isn't there? Maybe it's all, you know, just everything that's happening and has happened in that country this year. It makes you want to believe. Um, but also, it's also true that they have some super talented footballers who could win this game for them, whatever the circumstances. But just, just I mean, going to say this: not if you're a German football fan, do you want Leipzig to lose? Although, well, it depends what part of Germany you're from. Well, I think, uh, wait a minute. I thought if you were any German football fan other than a Leipzig fan, I don't trust wanted... Ian. He's got his Scottish passport on the table today. Don't listen to Ian. Don't you want <laughs> energy drink conglomerate? Don't right? listen to him. Can I, can I just say, I gotta add, hold on, Nigel. I got, I got, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. James, don't trust a man that says there's something wrong at Bayern Munich. I don't think they're going to make out the group stages. You're going to ask him about German football when he says that about Bayern Munich. Come on. I'm talking about a Leipzig side right now that haven't lost in about 10 games and uh, under new boss Marco Rosa are playing fun, enjoyable football. He's starting to get the best out of uh, Timo Werner, which didn't think we would say for a long time. Um, obviously, want to see the best from Christopher oh. Nkunku, which potentially could be sold for hundreds of millions of euros there is the prediction list right now we've been talking about from everybody out there thanks to producer des for throwing it in here he's getting a slap from me the next time i see him probably the next destination well, hold on a minute, though. I, I just want. Why, why are you second? Why are you second? You should be fourth it's, it's in this still list. Still the same. Though. Why you want to put me in? No, no, it's still the same, mate. JJ only got better because JJ hung out with me a lot and picked my brain. <laughs> Absolute absolute That's garbage. He hung out with me a lot. All right, let's get to our predictions for this one: Real Madrid against Celtic, Shakhtar against Donetsk. Uh, James, you go first. Yeah, um, Real Madrid win and. Yeah, the heart wants what it wants. Shakhtar win as well. Nigel. Wow. Real Madrid win and Leipzig win. Oh, JJ, you're just down to you, man. Shakhtar, Leipzig. Real win, uh, Shakhtar, RB Leipzig draw. Oh, three different results. Ian, before you move on, just quickly, Mm -hmm. because it's Real Madrid. Um, I just wanted to know... On what roller coaster would you guys have liked to go on on a story that's leaked out about potentially a Real Madrid land or world that the president oh. kind of put out there to have? So there's roller coasters to represent Zinedine Zidane's volley. So what what roller coaster would you have gone on? Uh, it's got to be the Gooty backheel assist, hasn't it? You know the one where he just <laughs> and you go. Yeah, you guys are laughing, but I'm sure there's a story out there. People go Google and have a look. There was potential talk about making a Real Madrid world or land with the stadium being in the mo- in, in the middle of it. Um, I think, Ian, you should have gone on Edin, Edin Hazard ride. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. What, is that the injury? The one that just sits stationary for like uh, two hours. <laughs> Are you making a laugh at my predictions again, being bottom of the table, stationary for the last, what, five match days? Don't worry. I've got a feeling that on match day six, it's all about to turn around. There's a reason why I'm asking you all for your predictions here. Um, let's move on. <laughs> Jump on it. Group G, Manchester City top with 11 points. Our very own Spygate. (laughs) Manchester City top with 11 points. Borussia Dortmund on eight points. Both teams already qualified. Sevilla sitting on the five points. Copenhagen out and completely eliminated with the two points. Manchester City against Sevilla. Copenhagen against Borussia Dortmund this week. Um, I guess we'll just ask for predictions before we move on here. City, obviously, uh, looking to pick up maximum points regardless of who plays. I guess the question would be more than anything. Does Erling Haaland play in this game? Is Erling Haaland okay? What are you hearing, James Bench? Um, oh, that's a good question. I don't have the answer to yet. 
uh, I will certainly do some digging around because obviously this could have major ramifications on the title race as well. I mean, look, like what you cannot deny is that five rounds of games have been played in this group. I have nothing more to say on it than that. This has been, I know we're, you know, we're, we know we're rights holders here. We've got to big up the product. <sighs> I'm really glad we don't ever have to watch this group again after the end of this week. No, but honestly, let's be real. The reality of it, James, is there's good clubs in there. Yeah, yeah, it's just been a boring... They just haven't performed. Dortmund's it's just broken in a boring mess. way as well. And Sevilla was a massive disappointment. They've sold players, obviously haven't really got it right and to be able to reinvest for the Sevilla that we know about. But it's just been underwhelming because of the lack of participation by big clubs. And the two you say is Dortmund and Sevilla. But really and truly, it should have been a lot more of a competitive group than it was because... City don't look exactly completely dominating, in my opinion. I don't think they're like absolutely wow, fantastic City are head and shoulders above everyone else. It's just a lack of competitive edge from Dortmund and Sevilla is what I would say. James, what does it say about UEFA's plan to then obviously extend the the, the teams, the, the, the group stages and things like that? I mean, is this something that we should be looking to see more often when it comes to the group <coughs> stage? If they do extend it, going to be more meaningless groups? Yeah, you do worry about that a little bit, I have to say. I think it. there are, I like kind of, as we're doing this preview, there are quite a lot of dead rubbers and yeah. that's that's just natural. And But I, what I wouldn't want to be doing is, is looking for a more more of them. Like, let's take, for instance, Barcelona, uh, no, sorry, Bayern Munich against Inter Milan. On paper, that's a great game. That's the sort of game that the Super League and the Swiss system are, are built for. Let's have more games like that none of us are going to be tuning into that because it's a football match without any real stakes. You know, I'll check what the score was, but I'm not going to be following it. And I think you do have to be really careful that you, you have a system in place that has as much competitive play as possible. I mean, it let, you know, in an ideal world, this would be a, it's most fun if it was straight knockout, 64 teams enter one team leaves, you know, and we all know the realities of, the broadcasting world, uh, why, why that's not an ideal solution anymore. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think we kind of need to reserve a little bit of judgment until we see it in action. But it, everyone that's saying this new system might lead to more dead rubbers is right to be concerned. And uh, I hope it isn't quite like that. I think it's 2024 that they're looking to make that extension of the Champions League. So uh, I'm, agreeing, I'm agreeing with you 100%. I think I'm really... Bit disappointed. I remember when the Champions League used to be just the champions going into this competition and it was uh, just an, a, a crazy, every single game was on a knife edge. Every single game meant something. There were some of the best games that you witnessed ever. I actually watched a great Marseille team play against Rangers back in the day, JJ. It was when Rangers were in with Juve, Marseille. And Marseille had such an unbelievable yeah, when, team. When Marseille used to win titles. When they used to win titles and challenge for uh, Champions League trophies, yes. Back in the day, tells you how old well, I am Didier, as well. Didier was there, right? Right? At them times, yep. well. yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Some great players though came yeah, through the ranks. I mean, it's unbelievable. Drogba was later in the UEFA Cup, I think, when they had that run. That yes, did they come across Newcastle in that? I think. Yeah, can't remember University. that one. Anyway, we're getting, to we're, we're getting off topic. Let's get to Group H before we wrap up this show. Uh, PSG, uh, JJ is sitting top of the table with 11 points. Benfica also on the 11 points. Juve miserable with three points, as are Maccabi Haifa also sitting on three points. Juve against PSG, I guess, going to the point we were just talking about. I mean, these are two heavyweights going head-to-head against each other. Um, what do you see happening in this game? Obviously, PSG flying Juve at home against PSG. It'll be interesting. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, this this one, I mean, yeah, I think Juve have tried to give it everything they can to avoid the the, the potential embarrassment of finishing bottom of the group. But, the you know, the sobering reality is that that is a very real possibility coming into this one. I mean, if Benfica rotate their players for, you know, let's face it, what is one of the tougher trips, uh, you know, in this group going to Israel, you know, not only is it taxing in terms of the the travel, but, uh, you know, it's also a very hostile atmosphere as well. You know, we saw PSG do quite well to get away with a 3-1 win when the game was, you know, fairly, fairly tight. <clears throat> Haifa have already beaten Juve there. So mm-hmm. for me, I think that uh, Juve, you know, they really need to win this and I don't see any way for them to do that. I think PSG will remain unbeaten. They go there, they They've no Neymar, but they they probably won't really need him. I think that they can get the draw, stay unbeaten. But Juve, I mean, anything other than a win really, really puts them in a dangerous situation. James, what are you thinking about this game? Strange one. Look, Juventus back to winning ways. What was it? One nil away to Lecce. Great goal. Great goal. Fantastic. And I mean, that was quite a heavily rotated team as well, wasn't it? The likes of... You know, Milik was up front. You know, no, no Vlavic, pretty ordinary midfield. Um, prayers out for Weston McKenney, who has apparently a rectus injury or something like that, which uh, I don't want to know any more about. And I'm sorry to our listeners that I've made them think. <laughs> Nigel about can that. tell you more about that. What, yeah. what is it, Nigel? <laughs> he said when injured one of them for years. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I do. A part of me just wonders if I, I feel like one PSG might take their foot off the gas. Juventus might feel like that. No, I can't do it. It's, it could go one of I, two ways. It could, could also get really brutal for Juve. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, it's going to be. I, I, I personally Juventus feel... best hope is, is that, that Benfica do them a favour. And I think even if it's Benfica B, this team's playing so well that they could well go to Haifa and get the win. But like, yeah, I've yeah. got no hope. No hope for... Uh, no hope Benfica for win... Paris Saint-Germain win. And Paris Saint-Germain, it comes with the element of uh, boastfulness in the sense of they can humiliate Juventus, a a team that's won this competition while Paris Saint-Germain are still trying to win it. They're going to want to humiliate Juventus. They're not going to want to do Juventus any favour. They want to let their name be known in the dominance of world football. They want to put themselves out there. It's going to be a statement win. They're going to want to really continue to to kick Juve while they're on the ground. They're not going to want to do them any favours. And I think that's the message that's going to come from up top because mm-hmm. these owners were sitting watching Juventus, watching all these clubs be built to become European champions. They're trying to do the same thing. There's nothing going to please them more than absolutely embarrassing Juventus. I think it's going to be a Paris Saint-Germain win and they're one are going to truly embarrass Juventus. JJ, I see, I see your face there. You're almost looking like you're wanting to say this could be a draw in this game or something like this. But I guess... Most importantly, like, where are PSG right now? What have we seen from Paris Saint-Germain? Because I, when I watch them, I want to be, I want to see 100%. I want to see them just firing on all cylinders. But I feel like we've only ever seen 65% of what PSG are capable of. Am I wrong? And I don't think we've seen the, I don't think we've seen the final uh, finished product just yet. Uh, do you think there's some way to go? I just saw that comment there. Neymar won't be there in Turin, so it'll be Mbappe and Messi up against the Juve defence. But, um, you know, I think that there are still big areas uh, where work is needed. I saw them ship three goals at home to Troyes on the weekend. Uh, yeah. Very underrated Troyes side, I might add. And, you know, it feels like defensively PSG are not there yet. Uh, I know that Peter Schmeichel was talking about that in Destination Brooklyn as well. Uh, But in attack, 
PSG are always with the kind of players like your Mbappe's, like your Messi's, like your Neymar's. They're always going to have the ability to turn it on. You know, the 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 big question I think for Galtier is can he find that defensive solidity that they really really need uh, this time around, uh, and also can he get that midfield functioning where they can connect? Uh, you know, the the attack with the with the rest of the team. So you know, I think that the jury is still going to be out on this PSG side until the the latter stages. Obviously, we'll we'll have to wait and see what comes up in the draw for them but you know I think we've only seen very brief glimpses of what this PSG side can really do under Galtier and I do think that there is still uh, you know much room for improvement and uh, as we know it takes PSG drawing a really really big team to get them to bring their best performances to the table and sometimes uh, you know they can't manage to do that over two legs. JJ quick question for you if you look at this PSG team, like you said right now, there's there's a, there's kind of a lot still going on around it, right? So if you were there, obviously you're there watching them, but I mean, if you were there involved in the club, sorry, what would you do with that front three that's capable of basically destroying any world team's defence and getting the goals? Defensively, I agree with you, they're not there. They're lacking. Would you now say, this is our best bit, let's, let's gamble it. Would you recruit and get defenders in during this... Uh, in different break we're going to have with the World Cup, would you strengthen that defence and go and sign some players and really go for it to win the Champions League? Because there's already rumours coming out now about Barcelona wanting to be very aggressive to try and bring Messi back after the World Cup. So what would you do? I think uh, PSG definitely need to look at the situation uh, in defence. Really, I think they they really should have been able to find some alternatives to Skriniar uh, in the summer. I I don't understand why they were so focused on him. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, when you've got someone like Luis Campos in, a transfer guru, he should have been able to identify sort of, uh, you know, more affordable alternatives. Um, But also at the same time, you know, if you are really that convinced by one player, uh, you know, being sort of the solution to your problems, then I guess some people would argue it's better to be patient. And now PSG are potentially entering into that January window, not knowing if Skriniar's contract will be extended or not. If it's not, then there's potentially the opportunity for them to, you know, either snap him up as a free agent ahead of next summer, or maybe strike a deal, bring him in uh, in January, or find, uh, you know, somebody else entirely, uh, you know, and hopefully Campos has been sensible with his time off since the summer transfer window and has identified some targets because defensively, PSG at this moment in time, they they are not going to win the Champions League with that defense as is. Statement right there from Jonathan Johnson. Like to hear it. Group H is about to wrap up match day six. James Bench, PSG 11 points, Benfica 11 points. How does it end? Who finishes top of the group? Uh, PSG top of the group, Benfica second, but both of them win. Nigel? What James just said. <laughs> okay. JJ prediction, UV PSG. I'm just, I've still got that feeling that you're going for a draw in that game. Go ahead. Yep, going for a draw in that game, and I'm going to go for a Haifa Benfica draw, which I think means it will end up finishing as is. So that's PSG top, Benfica second, and Juve just about scraping third. Just a question: wow. How many draws have we actually seen in this Champions League and all these games? We haven't seen that many draws. Not at all. I keep predicting draws and looking like a fool. That's why. Yeah. You, that's why you don't listen to JJ, right? You're right. You're right, JJ. <laughs> Well, Rodrigo Melo says that Benfica will win, as you just saw on the screen, and Juve will draw, and that means that Benfica will finish top of the group. I'm intrigued to see how this group actually does finish. Um, Obviously, we appreciate everybody. It's funny, actually, on on that point, you said we haven't seen that many draws, and we absolutely slammed Group G. Do you know how many draws we've had in that group? Three. Do you know what score they were? They were all nil-nil. 
Yeah, City as well. City, Copenhagen keep having no-no draws yes. against everyone. That's to James Bench's <laughs> point right there. Nobody wants to no, watch that. Over, yeah, over man, over C- City have also drawn two no-no. City and Copenhagen, guilty the parties. The last two. Yeah, the last two. But we'll see how it ends up. Um, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, nice question came in there or comment came in from Ali A saying, thoughts on Messi to enter Miami. Um, Ali, please head over to our YouTube page. You can watch uh, my conversation with Fabrizio Romano this morning. He touched upon exactly what he thought was going to happen between Messi and Inter Miami and potentially Barcelona as well. So make sure you go and check out our YouTube page as well. Can, can, I, but can I ask you two yep. as, as players that have played in the MLS? Um, if Messi comes at, I mean, what how, one? How much of a culture shock is this going to be from for a player who has had teams built around him, played at the highest level? Um, how much of a culture shock will life in the MLS be? Uh, and two, what level? What percent does he need to play at to be MVP? James, it's not going to be a culture shock for him because he's going to be wrapped in cotton wool. <laughs> it's a marketing move. He's going to fly privately everywhere while his team flies commercial like they're going to protect still going to be coached by phil neville let's just say he's not (laughs) even going to be coached he's going to do what he wants he's going to live in south miami in the porsche tower porsche building there's a big argentinian community there he's going to feel right at home and let's be it's football's not going to be taken very seriously if i'm honest it's very similar to when david beckham came in it's all marketing and money. That's just what my do you mean it won't opinion. be taken seriously though? Messi going, Messi, Messi going to MLS. You think he's just gonna come and just chill, smoke one of your cigars? Like a lot of relax? Them, I'm sorry. Wasn't there a high? Um, wasn't there high anticipation for Gareth Bale coming over? Started off okay. You, you putting Gareth Bale playing. into the same bracket as well, Lionel Messi Gareth coming like to Miami? Messi. Come on. I'm saying this is what happens when players who've had top careers in Europe come over. And I'm just gonna say one name for you. Well. David right. Beckham went to LA Galaxy. What happened? Did he just mail it in? He tried once or twice. He didn't play a lot of games here. And if you look at his stats, he, he was won, it. He won it like everywhere else. Twice. Oh, no, no, no. He won Listen, the MLS Cup twice. I'm not gonna. Or he three did. Times. Oh, yeah, he, they did because they put. They the had guy, the best team. They had the best. The guys, team put put yourself, put yourself in Messi's shoes. Who wouldn't want to play alongside the likes of Kieran Gibbs, Indiana Vasilev, Breck Shea? <laughs> exactly. Listen, giant, JJ, giant I'm being honest. With you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like he's going to come here. He'll play a few games, and then what? He doesn't understand it. Let's be real. There's a lot of football players who would love to play against Messi. Their highlight of their career, if they could smash Messi, that's what they're going to go for. And there's a lot of players in the MLS who still go for some crazy Jimmy, challenge. Jimmy Conrad still dines out on that. Listen, I'm not saying anything anymore. It, it's it's just going to be a, a fun fest for Messi, but I don't think he's going to take it too seriously. See serious. that comment right there? Zlatan went to MLS and killed it. Nigel, you're yeah, he did kill it. And he, also, and he also said to go look at what Zlatan said about the MLS before you start telling about me. <laughs> What did Zlatan actually win in MLS that's like his legacy? Hearts and minds. He didn't win the (laughs) MLS Cup, I'll tell you that much. He Um, won over LA when you had to take an advertising board to say you're welcome LA, which is like, okay, yeah. He was the he was the night show specialist out in Los Angeles, joining yeah. every single night show. Listen, I agree with it. It's a marketing move. It would be fantastic for Major League Soccer if they manage to convince him, Messi. He will make a That's ton of money here. He will That's really enjoy himself as much as he possibly can because it is Miami. Great city, probably one of the best in the United States of America. It's absolutely fantastic to see him even mentioned next to MLS, and I'd love to see it happen. But I think Barcelona will have something to say about that. Make sure you go check out my conversation with Fabrizio Mano, who also pointed out that Lorenzo Insigne, who went on to sign for Toronto, Nigel, 
could have gone to Borussia Dortmund. He chose to go to Toronto instead of going to Borussia Dortmund, which was really surprising to me. Boys, great stuff as always. I appreciate you. Fantastic stuff as always. I appreciate you. Um, look forward to catching up after the games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Make sure you also join in our conversation on those games. We'll be right on air as soon as the game's finished. There is obviously a time difference change now uh, between the United States and Europe. So you guys enjoy the time change. We'll catch up with you uh, next week or the week after. Um, but a reminder to everybody out there, uh, we appreciate you listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available, unfortunately, for Nigel Rio Coker on video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, boys, love you all. I'll see you Tuesday and Wednesday. Enjoy the games. And everybody else out there, make sure you like and subscribe. And we'll see you Tuesday. Bye.